Hey guys, welcome to Church Unlimited. Thanks for joining us today. I wanna to first of all say thank you for making Easter so incredibly successful. I know the worry was, oh man, we're not able to open buildings. Is this gonna be the Easter that we hope it's gonna be? Well, actually it was our greatest Easter ever. Years ago, we did a giant giveaway. It made national attention. It was all over the press. It was all over the news. We had 24,000 people and we thought we'll never top that. Well, this last week, because of what God is doing all through our community and really all over the world, we had over 25,000 people tune in to our Easter services. Thank you for telling your friends, telling your family, joining us online. It was an incredible weekend. Thank you so much for that. We're excited as well today to be talking about a story that also is a part of the crucifixion and resurrection story. Only Christ could be going to the cross for all the sins of all mankind. And at this very same time, teaching one of his disciples, Peter, a lesson. And so as I was reading through the story, just something popped off the page. I thought, I can't let this go, but I don't have enough time to get this content in Easter. So I wanted to talk about something that happened to Peter in the crucifixion and resurrection story. So we're gonna talk about that today. Again, thanks for being a part of our services. Let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services. So the scripture I want to point out is in Matthew chapter 26. And so something happens on the way to the cross. He's, uh, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And, and this is just a remarkable story. And so today's message is called True Discipleship, because this is how Jesus actually led his disciples. And sometimes we forget that discipleship is not just knowledge. It's not just Bible study. It's not just gathering together, like almost like going to a seminary class. It's about real life change. So how does real life change happen? Well, we're going to see how it happens in Peter's life, who's one of the greatest disciples of all time. Anyone would tell you that, that studies history and church history and, and the Bible. And I believe that you can become an incredible disciple as well. Check out what happens to Peter. Look at the scripture, Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 31. It says, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Now, if you look at the story, what happens next is, is basically they come for Christ. Judas betrays Christ. And so they, the authorities take him and they take him in chains as if he's some kind of uh, done something wrong, some non-law abiding citizen that he's broken some laws. He hasn't done anything like that, but they, they take him away in chains. They take him to a mock trial, accuse him of all sorts of things that he never did. But the one thing they did accuse him of, they said, you said you're the son of God. And he said, yes, that's true. And so they, they were gonna kill him based upon what they considered that to be blasphemy because they didn't believe he really was the son of God. And so, but in the process of this, Peter actually says, I'll never deny you, I'll never desert you. But then all the disciples desert him, including, including Peter, when this happens. In fact, it says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 56, at that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Now, before I pick on Peter a little bit today and talk about his sin of denying Christ, I think it's really important that Jesus, you need to understand this about all of us because we're all disciples of Christ too. If, you've, if you're a Christ follower, if you've asked Jesus in your heart, you're a disciple of Christ. And you need to know this about Jesus. Number one, Jesus knows we will fail him. All of us, not just Peter, not just all the 12 disciples, but all of us at some point in our lives, 
will fail him in some way and probably are failing him in some way because none of us are perfect. This is why Christ went to the cross because he knew we needed salvation. We are not good enough on our own. That's what the cross is all about. And for you to say, oh, I don't have any sin in my life. I'm good. I've never failed Christ. That's actually a lie and that is failing Christ. All of us have sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3, all have sinned to fall short of God's glorious standard, God's glorious ideal, God's, God's uh, set bar. We've all failed it. And so just know that going in, but let's begin to pick apart what Peter does and how this impacts all of our lives. Let's look, look at the scripture. Look what it says next. Matthew 26, verse 57. This is a scripture that really grabbed me that I knew I have to talk about this this week. It was just too good. It really, frankly, convicted me. And I believe it'll convict you too. It says this, then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the high priest. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Now, what really hit me here was it said, Peter followed him at a distance. Here's my question for you right now. Here's a simple question. Are you following Jesus at a distance? In other words, you, you, you are a follower of Christ, but you're not really closely following him. You're following him at a distance. What does that mean? It means you're close enough to still see him, but far enough for it not to cost you. Could it be that we have become followers of Christ in the convenient times, but not when it's inconvenient? Oh, I'll follow you, Christ. I'll be a faithful member of church unless a preacher starts talking about money, tithing, sacrifice, volunteering, then, you know, I'm out, right? Oh, I'll follow you, Christ, unless it becomes weird with my friends and they think I'm a little over the top. Oh, I'm going to follow you, Christ, unless you ask something of me that is really sacrificial. I'm not sure if I'm going to do that. Sometimes we want to know God's will and we say, oh, Lord, just show me your will. But what we're really saying is, God, show me your will, and then I'll decide if I'm going to follow it. That's not how it works. You give God your yes, then he shows you his will. So are we willing to follow Christ if it hurts us, if it's not easy, if it's difficult? Are you willing to follow Christ in, a, in what you consider a, a loveless marriage? Will you stay faithful to Christ in that marriage? Will you follow Christ when, you're, when your kids are not honoring you? Will you follow Christ when your boss is a jerk? Will you follow Christ when you don't feel spiritual, when you don't feel close to God, when you don't get the promotion, when you didn't get the raise, when things didn't work out? when instead of having a job, you get laid off? Will you follow Christ when things are not going your way? That's a true follower of Christ. To be close to Christ means to know that you're in the danger spot. You're in the danger zone. If you're close to Christ, Peter, that means they may accuse you just like Peter, Jesus is in change. You may find yourself in change too. So what does Peter do? He says, well, I'm gonna follow him, but not too close. I'm gonna see how it pans out, how it goes. And then I'll decide whether I'm gonna follow Christ. That's not what God wants from us. He wants us instead to not deny him, but to follow him closely. The second thing I wanna ask you, this question, are you following Jesus at a distance or are you following Jesus closely? It's a challenge for all of us. Look what happens next. Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus. Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore. I, I, he said, a curse on me if I'm lying. That's a legal term, by the way. If you say a curse on me. So he's legally saying, I legally denounce him. I do not know him. 
Remember, he's outside of a court hearing happening. So if there's ever a moment when you need someone to stand up for you when your life is on the line and then your friend doesn't, can you imagine that? This is a deep betrayal. He says, a curse on me if I knew him. I never knew him. I don't even know the man. Immediately, the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Another translation says, he cried hard. This is what you call the ugly cry. You ever had an ugly cry? Where you're like, your face is red and you're all snotty and just, you're just out of control. What's happening? It's like the world comes crashing down on you. The reality of the hurt you have caused other people, the reality of the carnage of what your decisions have brought to your own life, how you've offended God, how you've messed things up, where you could be rather than where you are because of the choices you make. It's a hard cry. I have messed up. An ugly cry. Peter wept bitterly. You ever been there? Maybe right now, some of you are on the brink of this, realizing that you have let Christ down. We all have. So at this point, he's denied Christ three times. Why is that important? Because this is important. What was, what was Jesus saying? He was saying, Peter, I know you get all excited. I know you get fired up and you say, you'll never leave me. I know you say, you'll never let me down. But Peter, I know you. I know how you roll, man. I know you, you're kind of emotional. You're up and you're down right? You're kind of like follow Christ in spurts. Like I'm all in this week, but I'm not sure if I'll be all in next week. He knew Peter. He knew how he was. So he's like, Peter, before the night's even up, man, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, oh, no, no, not me. And then of course he does the very thing that he said he would never do. You ever done that? You ever done the very thing you said you'd never do? The very thing you promised you would never do again? And you do it? Now it's interesting that it happens three times. And the reason why this is important is because what Jesus is doing is this. Number three, would you write this down? You gotta examine your established patterns of sin. We all have patterns of sin. It's one thing to mess up and say, God, I'm so sorry. It's another thing to mess up and say, God, I'm so sorry. And I keep finding myself saying this again and again and again. It's a pattern. It's a, it's a pattern of anger. It's a pattern of resentment. It's a pattern of cutting people off. It's a, it's a pattern of not respecting authority. Not just this job, but the last one you got fired from and the one before that. It's a pattern of lust. It, it, it's a pattern of immorality. It seems like every time you start dating some Christian, you still end up doing things that, that you shouldn't be doing. It's a pattern. It's an ongoing thing. So what is it for you that it's a, it's a pattern of greed? It, it's an ongoing thing. It's not just, I didn't tithe this week. I haven't tithe in the last month, the last year. I, you know, God, when you speak to me to, to, to witness, I just, I ignore you. And I've done it multiple times now. It's a pattern. And so God speaks to us about our patterns. And when you recognize a pattern in your life, typically that will break you like it broke Peter. When you realize, man, I, I, I'm trying hard to be good and I just, I'm just not. That's when you realize how bad we really do need Jesus. Now I wanna fast forward in the story. This is one of the darkest moments in Peter's life. He has denied his Lord in his biggest moment of need. And we have all done this a time or two in our lives. I gotta be honest with you, I'm not preaching to you today. I feel like I'm preaching to myself. I feel like this is something that's speaking to me even more to you because I, I can see clearly patterns in my life that don't honor the Lord that God has been convicting me of. And I, I bet he's doing the same with you. Let me show you another scripture though. This is really cool. John chapter 21, something happens here that's really great. This is after Christ has died. He's rose again from the grave and now he's talking with his disciples and he says something specifically to Peter. Look what he says. Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. 
you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that he had asked him the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now, what are you saying by you know everything? You're saying, you know I'm a screw up. You already know I messed up. You know I denied you and I said I wouldn't. You know everything about me. But yes, I love you. What Peter was saying here is the true position of a disciple. He was saying, I know I'm a broken man. I know I don't have the power to do good on my own. I know I'll mess up, but I really do love you and I wanna serve you. And that's the real heart of a disciple is when you recognize that the closer you get to God, the further you realize you really still are, that there's so far to go. That's the true heart of a disciple of Christ. Lord, you know me, you know I mess up, you know I've done stupid things, but yes, I really do love you. Goes on to say this, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking to him. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't wanna go. So why would Jesus ask Peter three times if he loves him? He was saying, I know you blew it three times in a row, but I'm gonna give you three more shots to get it right. Because here's what I love about our God. Would you write this down? Number four, Jesus is a God of second chances. You may say, man, I, I, I've been blowing it over and over again. Jesus says, guess what? I'm gonna give you the opportunity to get it right over and over and over again. Now, when he said, hey, hey Peter, I, I wanna tell you to feed my sheep, lead my sheep. He was referring to something he told Peter earlier. And he said, hey, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter was the one that got it right. He said, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Christ. And he said, and it's upon that I will build my church. Now he was not saying, Peter, I'm gonna build my church on you. He was saying, I'm gonna build my church on your confession that you know who I am, that you know I'm Christ, that I'm the Messiah. And yes, he did use Peter in a powerful way. Peter became arguably one of the greatest leaders the church has ever known. In fact, did you know that when Peter died, they did stretch out his hands. He just, as he said, this was a prophecy. Jesus said, you will stretch out your hands one day and you will go where you don't want to go. In other words, you're going to give your life for me. They literally stretched out his hands. In fact, what they would do, uh, they were very cruel. They would stretch you so far that it would rip your arms out of socket. So you can imagine the pain that would be. Then they hung him on the cross. And when he was being hung on the cross, Peter said, no, 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 I will not die like my Lord. Turn me upside down. He died upside down. We know this because we have church historians that recorded how he died. Can I tell you a little insight on how he died, by the way? When he died is because he was preaching the gospel throughout the Judean Valley. When he did that, King Agrippa over that province had a harem of women. So you can imagine the party lifestyle that he had going on. Two of the women got saved because they heard Peter's preaching. Then when they were back with King Agrippa and he began to make his moves on them, they said, we can't do this. It'll offend our God, Jesus. This made Agrippa so mad. He said, find Peter, I'm gonna kill him. And isn't it funny that we get the most mad at other Christians when they mess with our lifestyle? When there's something of a conviction that someone else has and they realize they're different than us, people get offended because our very lifestyle shows that they are not honoring God. So Agrippa hunted them down. Peter was actually led out of the town by other Christians trying to protect him. And the, and the story tells us, that, the historians tell us that when he was leaving, John records this actually, the, the, the historians, excuse me, Eusebius records this. As they were leaving, as he's leaving the town, 
He has a vision and Christ speaks to him and says, Peter, where are you going? And Peter knew right then, okay, Lord, I know what you want. He turned right back around and he went to face his fate and he willingly gave his life for his Lord. Did you know today you could literally go to Rome, go to the Vatican and you can see his bones on display. People from all over the world go to Rome just to see the remains of Peter. This is a guy who denied Christ three times, who is now considered one of the greatest leaders of the church. And so if he can deny Christ and be used by God greatly, then don't you think God's not done with you? Instead of feeling the guilt today that this message may be bringing you, I want it not to be guilt, but conviction because I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to lift you up because the word of God is telling you, you have a second chance. We all do. You're not done. God's not through with you. He's got an amazing plan for you. We forget that when you go look at the Old Testament story of Moses setting God's people free from Egypt, Egypt represents the world and the enslavement of the world that sin is to us. And, and what does Moses say? God says, go set my people free. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So they, they leave, right? But we forget that God also says, and then go to Mount Sinai where I will become your God and you will be my people. That's discipleship. You will follow me daily. And if you'll do that, then you get to enter the promised land. But many of them didn't get to go, right? It was the next generation. What this means is this, we forget. We think sin is just like denying Christ like Peter did, but there's another level of sin we forget about. You see, the first thing God does is he sets us free from our sin and we're to become his people and he becomes our God. But then God wants to take us to the next step and help us enter our promised land, the promised future that God has for us. You see, we think sin just means doing bad. Sin doesn't mean doing bad. Sin actually is a term that may surprise you. It's an archery term. Let me, if I could use a prop real quick here. I brought a bow and arrow with me. And I have a, a target here. And as you look at this, if I were to aim this, this arrow and fire this off, however far I am from the bullseye would be the degree of sin. That's what it actually is. It's an archery term. You know, if I'm only five or 10 feet like I am from this, this uh, target now and I fire it, even if I'm off a little bit, I'm gonna hit the target. It's not gonna be a problem. But I want you to think about this for a second. You see, sin doesn't just mean you're bad. It means that we are focused on the target of where God's will is for our lives. So let's just say the target's further away. My cameraman is gonna be brave right now. And so let's say I'm aiming at a target that's 30 yards away or 50 yards away. Think about this with your life. You're aiming at a target that's a long way away. Maybe you've got 30 more years to live. You think, well, you know, I mean, I'm generally following Jesus. I'm only off by a little bit. I'm only off by maybe a half an inch, but a half an inch on 30 yards means you missed the entire target. A half an inch in your life over 30 years means you'll end up in a destination nowhere near what God had for you. You see, we think of sin as immorality. We think of sin being the things that we do wrong but I wanna give you a new definition of sin. It's wasted potential. It's what you could have become that God has for you that you missed the mark because you thought, oh, I'm only off a half inch today. But that half inch off today means you missed the target completely by a decade from now. Do you really wanna miss out on all that God has for you? Peter, come out of denial, man. I mean, before the rooster even crows, you're gonna deny Christ three times. What's the rooster crow mean? I can tell you what that means. Why does the rooster crow in the morning? To wake you up. This message is a wake-up call for all of us. God is saying it's time to wake up, to recognize that you've missed it, that I have more for you, that I have a bigger potential 
for you. One last scripture I want to share. It says this in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got to change what you think. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. And there's three levels of the will of God. The good, acceptable, and perfect will. The good means that's the general, like, I'm not going to do immoral stuff. Acceptable means there are certain practices that we do as Christians. But then there's the perfect will of God. So many of us, because we're not sweating the small things that God's asking of us, are missing out on his perfect will. Oh, what God would do through you if you would sweat the small stuff. Oh, what God could do to you if you would wake up every day and say, Lord, search me, as David said. Know if there's anything offensive in me, anything that's not honoring you, God, begin to correct me. Even if, even if I think I've got my aim right, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna let you move me. I'm gonna let you adjust me. Because I know, Lord, if I'll let you do that, I won't miss the mark. I will be on target for the will that you have for my life. Don't waste your potential. This isn't just about not doing bad stuff. This is about doing the very things God puts you on this earth to do. God has big dreams and plans for you. What I'm trying to say in a nice way is get out of your own way. God has so much more for you. He's got big plans for your life. It's time to begin to say, God, yeah, maybe I'm not doing this or that anymore, but Lord, I'm still a half inch off and I wanna honor you. I don't wanna follow you from a distance. I don't wanna look good from a distance. I wanna be up close and personal with you, Jesus. I'm gonna let you examine me every area of my life so that I can be the man, the woman you called me to be. I wanna follow you. One last thing. Jesus said at the very beginning of the scripture, I wanted to mention, just wanna go back to it real quick. Scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the, of the flock will be scattered. The devil wants to strike the shepherd too. I wanna to talk to the men for a second. You know, men, you're the shepherd of your home. And you know what? If the devil can strike you, then he'll scatter your children. And so I wanna challenge you men to be men of God. It's no surprise that typically when marriages fall apart, it's the man not willing to lead his home spiritually, not willing to lead his wife in serving her and pouring in. Men, if you wanna know, listen, if you wanna know the spiritual temperature in your home, men put the thermometer in your mouth because where you are with God will determine your marriage and your kids. Listen to me, leaders, you may be leading a life group. You may be leading a prayer group. You may be known as a Christian in, in your community, in your school, in the college you go to, in the dorm you're in. You may be known as a believer on, on your team at work and you better believe the devil wants to take you out because if he can take you out, it will get everyone who's looking to you to say, forget this. I don't want faith that isn't real. Look at that, Jesus must not be real because they said they were a Christian and look how they lived. You better believe there's an enemy trying to strike you and he wants to get you and bring you down. Guard your heart. Be diligent and vigilant. Protect yourself and honor the Lord. Sweat the small compromises because those small inconsistencies will lead you away from the target completely. God has more for you. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we take a moment to pray right now? I know this is a tough message. It's supposed to be. Discipleship that's easy isn't discipleship. Are you serious about your faith? Then God will call you to make changes. He will call you to sacrifice. He will call you to be faithful when things don't make sense. Right now, our economy doesn't make sense. Many of you have lost your job. Will you stay faithful to God anyways? Or does it have to be good times? Will you honor the Lord when things don't make sense? I wanna challenge you right now during this prayer time. As God speaks to you, where are you denying Christ? Peter denied him three times. And he was arguably one of the greatest leaders 
the New Testament church has ever known. So where have you denied Christ? Where is there a pattern that he's calling out of you to say, where I wanna take you, this can't go? Let God speak to you. Let his conviction come over you, not to make you feel guilty, but to ask him to forgive you, which we know he offers through the cross. And then now he wants to remove that from you and you can begin to live the new life in Christ that he has for you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, it's prayer time. Where is God speaking to you? God, forgive me for that sin. Forgive me for that inconsistency. Forgive me for my hypocrisy. Forgive me for I'm off a mile or forgive me where I feel like I'm off an inch, but I know that if I stay off an inch, it'll turn into a mile. God, forgive me, renew me, make me new. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never trusted Christ to be your Lord and your savior, he died on the cross for you and he rose again, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer with us. We're gonna pray it with you. Say this out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray, amen. And God good, his word is so true.